Hello, my friends. Welcome to another show. Uh, thanks so much for the nice comments on last week's Q&A. Also, uh, thanks to everyone who's rated and subscribed. I want to do a quick shout out to one mailing list subscriber called Ben. Ben from the Capture Agency. Nice to have you on board. Uh, all right. So today is a nice one. I talked to another good friend of mine. He's a talented, accomplished musician, Angelo Starr. Now, Angelo's uh, been a part of my band for, uh, well, since its inception, quite a few years ago. His knowledge and experience in music is vast. And I thought, you know, definitely one to have a chat with. Hopefully provide you guys with some entertainment, some knowledge and a couple of stories as well. All right. Let's get to it. <laughs> So yeah, I wanted to talk to Angelo because uh, I wanted to talk to you. I'm saying Angelo like you're not here. <laughs> I want to talk to you because, uh, I don't know, we, we've had a few conversations over the years, obviously. Uh, for those who don't know, Angelo um, has also graced uh, my band, all right? I, whenever I'm on the road uh, doing uh, tours, the full tours, and going to the different bigger venues, uh, Angelo's on stage. Actually, a lot of the smaller ones as well. Angelo's usually there. He's like he's like uh, my, my fail safe. That's it. Yeah, you know, if I <laughs> if something goes wrong, if the if the back in the day when I used to do some club shows as well, um, if something goes wrong with the system, Angelo's there with the, with the guitar. He's absolutely amazing on the guitar, but as an artist, he's amazing anyway. So um, yeah, so oh, you were going to say something? No, I was just going to say, and and I know this is not a question you asked yeah. or anything, but I was just going to say it's funny because to me that's as much of of being there. Yeah, you know that's as much of why I'm there as yeah. actually playing the guitar. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. One of the first bosses I ever had when I was a young um, electrical engineer, he said, "Do you know what your job is?" And I said, "What is that?" And he said, "Well, the job of an employee is always to make his boss look good." The job of an employee is always to make his boss look. It's true. It's true. Because that's, you, a, that's some good. If that's you make one. your boss look good, he's going to keep you. He's going to keep you. <laughs> And he's going to keep his job as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That is good. That's good. Um, but do you know what? That That is exactly why I wanted to have a conversation with you. Because Angelo drops these nuggets every so often. They're just like little bits of... But you have to be listening. You have to be paying attention. You know, otherwise it just goes over your head. But he'll drop these little nuggets that you just put in your back pocket. And then one day... You, uh, you 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 find that you actually ah he told me that and I needed I needed it now that's 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 brilliant so yeah that that wisdom but then I remember wondering to myself one day why has how come Angelo's got so much wisdom and I and I and I poked your brain and I thought do you know what this guy's got loads of stories like too many stories so um I'm I'm gonna try and pull a few out of you okay uh, sounds, yeah sounds all right yeah you know those those stories as, as you say I did. They're sometimes battle scars, you know. Ooh. They are because sometimes the things you learn, you learn the hard way. Yeah. You know? um, unfortunately, uh, the music business is not always one where people uh, tell you what you need to know when you need to know it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You know, it, they they'll they'll impart the knowledge that they've gained at up until that point. Yeah. Which is only based on their experiences. And uh, like you say, at some later stage, it, it may mean more to you and to them for yeah. that, for that matter. But, um, you know, for me, it's been, it's been a bit strange because obviously, you know, being related to someone who was in the, the music business, yeah, and being able to be there from such a young age, it, it 
this is what this is what I was gonna I was gonna get to you because oh, okay. uh, you know obviously Angelo Angelo star all right we'll get to the family members in yeah. a bit but for Angelo you know I was wondered in the period that you were a, a baby boy yes um what got you into into music what got you what was your you know your first memories or the first time you thought do you know what have you always wanted to be a musician have you always wanted to just be on stage performing or were there other were there other um uh paths that you would have gone down oh definitely definitely it wasn't always uh a given that i would be involved in this um there was always music around the house um i was the the baby in the family uh much younger than anyone else okay uh, by, many- my nearest sibling is nine years older than me Nine years. So I was the afterthought, the mistake, you know, the, <laughs> the, the, the one that just managed to make it through, you know. <laughs> the afterthought, the mistake. The good mistake. The, well, the mistake became the blessing to the... Do you know, I was a mistake. <laughs> Not a mistake. That's the wrong word. But I was, I was. Um, you know, my brothers and my, and my sister, they're all like um, a year apart. There's a year difference between right. them. And then three years later... I came along. See, right? there you go. And I was born a bit earlier. The, 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 the doctor actually told my mum that she's got to choose her life or or, or me because I, it's going to be a bit dangerous uh, at one point. And she said, you know what? Uh, God gave me a child. So I'm going to go with the child if I have to go. But I'm seeing this to, to you know through. And and that's why I, I was given a chance. She, I, they told her no. They wow, don't don't do an, this one. That's an amazing story. Oh, yeah. So you know? so you were the, the afterthought, the mistake. Yeah, yeah I just was. Like me. And you know, uh, I was I was born on the Fourth of July in America, which is like an Independence Day, a holiday. So, with wow. The, with the bangs of the, of yeah. the <laughs> with the bangs of the you know uh, what do you call it celebrations and stuff. Yeah. yeah. There there was me. Here I come. You wow. Know, saying you, hey, do do I have any significance here? <laughs> You made that. You made a big entry. Yeah, that's like, it. I'm coming. Set the fireworks off. Let's go. <laughs> Angelo has arrived. That's cool. All right. Yeah. So the nine years between you and the, and the next event. Yeah. So so you were always. Uh, I guess you had um, a lot of. I guess, do you know that probably say, explains your personality a bit because I would imagine because of that gap, there's a lot to observe. There's a lot of different people going through different things. That's know? that's right. You know, I you know being very young. First of all, we had I had the influence of of the music that was around the house uh from my sisters and brothers so obviously they were in there when i was very young and very impressionable they would be, have been in their teen years and listening to whatever was popular for them did you hang out with it like who was who are you closest to the the, the one that was nine years well, apart or someone older funny funny you should ask that question because there were four of us my eldest brother uh, my brother below that, who was only one year older than my sister, okay, who was my next nine years older, than yeah, okay, and and then obviously myself, and we, my sister and I, are the only two who still are alive, and we're oh. still close because when I got to be old enough where I could be performing and stuff with local bands and things like that, she was at the age where she was clubbing. And oh, so perfect. her and her friends could come down and see my band perform, nice. and and it was like so there was like a, a full closing, yeah, of kind of like a circle there because she was always amazed that this was her little brother, you know, um, she was always amazed that this was her little brother, 
uh, up there on stage and so yeah. were her friends you know yeah. and and I was amazed that I was performing in places with you know yeah. grown ups as far <laughs> yeah, as yeah, I was yeah. concerned wow. uh, but it it was fun so the influences musically came from those that pathway you know it came from the fact that my older brothers and sisters had what they liked in the house and their influences and and then there was the influences of my parents as well they loved music as well or? oh yeah i mean you know my mom like uh johnny taylor and it, you know there were certain songs when you put them on you knew mom was feeling when, yeah. when I heard her put them on, I knew she was feeling good. You yeah. know, <laughs> I say, I'll be trying to get out of the house to go play some football or something. She'd be like, no, uh, can you help me move this couch over there? I was like, Oh no, mom. <laughs> she's moving the furniture now. Mom's in the zone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, but it was great though, because, um, the fact that, uh, that she, she liked music was more significant, um, on another level when I actually got old enough to start performing myself and playing music, uh, I, I really appreciated that she could make comments that were helpful to my journey of going there. You know, you're getting dressed to go perform and she'd be like, uh, why don't you try that over there? Okay. Like, uh, hmm. <laughs> you try it on. And then after the gig, somebody said, Ooh, that's nice. <laughs> You know what I'm you saying? Start, you start learning to value her opinion and her In a her different choices. way, definitely. Yeah. So so that was really good. And then, of course, um, you know, watching my siblings, you know, get ready to go out and party themselves, you know, the process of doing your hair the, back then, the afros and the blowout and having, yeah. <laughs> you know, the bigger, the better kind of vibe. Uh, you know, just watching the whole procedure of someone who was going through something that I would eventually get to the stage where I, where I had to do it myself. It, okay. was, it was valuable and, and enjoyable. Would you, would you say that there was anyone that you looked up to, like um, musically, that inspired you, pushed you to think, I oh, do you not want to be on stage? Um, well, yes, definitely my brother, of course, yeah. Uh, yeah. because when I was, because he was the eldest in the family, and when I was very young or, or, or young enough that I could see him uh, getting dressed to go and do his performances. How old were you? Uh, ooh, I would have been really tiny. So um, when he passed, he was 61 and then in 2003. And um, I think, I can't remember how many years, people used to always, I can't even calculate it, how many years there were between us. But there were certainly enough years that, that I would have been Say sub ten, you know. Sub ten, okay. So sub. very, is it very impressionable? Yeah, very impressionable. So I would be following behind, for example, him carrying uh, the shirt that he was going to wear tonight, uh, uh, and he would say, "Oh yeah, can you grab me the uh, um, uh, 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 And about ten minutes later, he's still saying the uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're trying to figure out do it the socks, <laughs> the <laughs> hat, the hat. What do you want? The pants, the suit. Yeah. Uh, I would be following behind him. Just, uh, you know, carrying something, waiting to find out what the Aram was yeah. referring to. But it was his process of getting ready to go and perform. He was thinking out loud. I see. And I didn't realize. I yeah. thought he was actually asking, you to asking for something. But yeah. he, he was. He was. But he was asking in a way that he was trying to tell himself, "What do I need to do next?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. and well, I, if 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 those experiences don't uh, kind of uh, shape your 
your desires, then then nothing will. You know, <laughs> being that young and seeing, you know, being in that kind of environment and going to see someone perform. I remember the first few performances. I was, I was actually quite old when I first. I mean, apart from unless you call uh, uh, church performances uh, uh, performances, which I guess they are. They count. Yeah, but I remember the first time seeing like a live American act come to the UK and perform, and the energy and the I, it really did make me feel like whoa. I used to love singing anyway, but that made me feel like. I want to be on that stage. Wow, that was amazing. Well, it's funny. It's funny again that you say that because I, that was where the, uh, the desire kind of came from for me. When I was very young, I was born uh, in Cleveland, Ohio, um, and the rest of my siblings were born in Nashville, Tennessee, um, the home of country music. Obviously, before my parents had moved up north, you know, there was. Uh, in, in industries, tire industry, steel industries, things that made a lot of the people from down south move up north in search of better opportunities. Uh, when I was old enough to start seeing my brother perform, obviously he wasn't always the only person on the show. And although you, I enjoyed seeing his performances, some of the other people who I had never seen, it was that same excitement for me is like, wow, they were good too. You yeah, know, it was yeah. almost like I was surprised that, that yeah. there could be so many people doing what they do and everybody could be so good. So good. I was like, wow, you know, this is fantastic. And uh, I, I guess think, it probably made you feel also, that means maybe I can too. Well, I tell you what, what, what did that, I think, you know, this is just my recollection of it here. My brother had a song called um, Agent Double O Soul. Right. And that song was kind of a takeoff on the idea of James Bond, Agent 007. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it was the idea of a soul man, music, music man yeah. who was cool like James Bond and so forth and so on. But my um, my brother just just below him, Terry, um, he had Edwin. Ha, ha, my brother had a routine where he would go on stage and, uh, you know, after the introduction of the compare or whoever, the, the spotlight would go on to him yeah. or what appeared to be him. But it was like a miniaturized version of him <laughs> in a secret agent outfit. And you could hear the audience gasp yeah. <laughs> like, <gasps> at the realization that this can't, surely this is not the guy. Yeah. And then it would swing over to another spotlight on the actual him yeah. <laughs> dressed exactly the same, but as an adult, obvious adult, you know? And so the theatrics of it yeah, that's funny. were, were um, kind of interesting to me because I knew the guy who was the brother. I knew okay, the little the one little. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like a little bit of sleight of hand kind yeah. of thing. And I thought, oh, that's really cool. Yeah. And that's so, well, that was probably the first time when I thought, I wonder if, if I could. If you could do that. that, yeah, yeah. You know? That's my brother, and I know him, and I think I could you probably. Could, okay, yeah. And uh, and and funnily enough, I did actually. Uh, you did with, that? I did you do the, that. You put, one, you put the clothes on and stuff? I did put the clothes on at one point in time. That's I, wicked. I think it was in a town called like Wheeling, West Virginia or something like okay. that in America. When I got old enough yeah. to be that. How old was old enough? Well, it's really strange because. Again, this is just my recollection of it. I, I, I would have to say it's probably around 12, okay. somewhere around there. Because if I listen to um, documentaries about people who performed and stuff, 
uh, and when they started, it sounds very young to me yeah. by comparison to what's acceptable now. You know, I hear stories of, of people who, you know, started professionally when they were 13 years old and so forth. And do you know what? We're, we're assuming here, right? Yeah. I haven't, I haven't said your brother's name, neither of you. So, just in case there are, uh, th- th- there's anyone listening who who is a complete pophead or a rockhead or I don't know, completely not into soul, you know, uh, just a, a little something on your brother' name and um, everything. You know, there's a song that you might know, maybe even more than the name. The song says "War." Yeah. Cool. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. Well, my brother's Edwin Starr. Yes. Soul, soul singer, um, Motown yeah. singer from back in the day. And, uh, you know, it, it just being there as he was growing up at, at, or growing into his celebrity as an artist was a, a kind of a journey for me as well. Exactly. Because his earliest successes were like in their in the early sixties. Uh, and those successes continued as he was bought by Motown records and wound up becoming a Motown artist okay. along with other people who obviously we know have become household names, Marvin Gaye and Steve yeah. Wonder and Dinah Ross. And that's a, you know, Mar- that's a great time to be in music. <laughs> well, it was a great time to, it was a great time to be a kid for me Yeah, because I used to, um, go on my summer breaks to visit him in Detroit, Michigan as a kid. Okay. And that's where he dragged me around to different recording studios and different gigs. And nice. and I got a chance to sit in a barbershop with the Jackson five, you know, and see like even things like that, you know, I don't know. To me, that's just like, what? <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know how it was for you back then, but you know, you're, so you were in summer school. Yes. Yeah. Well, in, in elementary school, Ele- in elementary school, sorry. Yeah. In your mind, obviously there was, you know, you're seeing other members of your family do their thing and like you say, a bit of music and uh, stage craft, etc. Yeah. But your own journey in your mind at that time, where where did you see it as, oh, I just want to be on stage? Or, you know, what, what was the other thing that you were trying to do? De- definitely not as far as being on stage. You know, I always had an interest in, um, I was, I was a sponge. I think sponge. Okay. I was a sponge. Yeah. If, if I if I if I'm really, I guess honest about it. Yeah. Not as a not as a, not as a cuss word. No, right? no, no, you weren't no. a sponge. You weren't just you weren't leeching off people. No, no, no certainly you were not. Sponges in you absorbing all the information around you and and everything. Yeah. That's absolutely that's absolutely the interpretation that I, that, I, that I was referring to. Yeah. You know, I I I was impressionable in that uh, if I was looking at music, then I found something interesting in that. If I was looking at technology, I found something interesting in that. Nice. Poetry, uh, try, you know, just about everything. But I think the thing that made the difference with regards to the music was that we had music in schools uh, in America, and you will often hear a lot of artists of, of my generation from America certainly talking about the fact that um, you know, the idea of taking music out of school has always been a bad one because yeah. so many of our professional artists have come about just from that journey. You know, I started playing violin Oh, okay. and, and violin is not necessarily the coolest instrument nope. to be carrying home when you're living in the ghetto, <laughs> <laughs> but it gave me an appreciation for strings and classical music and things that made me not 
weren't necessarily a part of my home environment uh, as far as I was aware. But then when I started listening to the music that, you know, my my siblings and my parents and stuff were listening to, I could listen to them differently. Nice. I could have an appreciation for what was going on in the background, the textures and the feel and stuff. Yeah. And so anyway. And I guess also it teaches you, you know, it teaches you a lot about scale and key. I think anything that where you have to learn a bit of theory behind is it, it helps. It helps. Yeah, I, I yeah. definitely think so. I mean, I, you know, I'm not one of those who say you have to have this to to be good no. at that. That's but right. I think what it did is just gave me an appreciation for yeah. the job that someone has, has to do to do it well. Yeah. You know, because I wasn't a great player. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of people had to persevere with my squeaks <laughs> <laughs> until I got to the stage where I could, you know, start, you know, doing the concerts at school and so forth. Yeah. Uh, but I, then I went from there to as you get into the middle schools you, you can play other instruments like trumpets okay and then saxophones and marching band instruments so i started playing trumpet a little bit and, and trumpet it, yeah i played trumpet for a couple Whoa. of years in 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 uh in junior junior high school high school so if you picked up a trumpet now, do you think you could blow it up? I could blow a scale. Is it? Yeah, I could blow oh. a scale, you know. But but I'm not brilliant at it either. No, so that th this is where this is where I mean I wasn't the master of yeah. any of these. Yeah. I had an interest in in doing it because I understood that somebody who does it well has to go through that same process. They have to start somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. And they have to, you know, they choose to continue to, to get better and better and better. Now. Yeah, that's what I get from learning, from from learning stuff. You know, you know me, I'm like, I, I like a bit of tech, I like a bit of um, uh, music, I like a bit of, I like a lot of singing. So, but I think I enjoy the, the process of learning and then appreciating that, whoa, so if it's that hard to get to this stage, that person over there, or that world record holder over there, or that, that wow, they must be really talented and have put in some serious hours. Well, I'll tell you something funny, and I, I don't think I've actually ever said it to you, yeah. though we've known each other for a lot of time, but I see a lot of myself in you okay. in that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. You know, because it's that same thing, you know, the, the, the desire to do something and not being afraid to kind of give it a go yeah. and, and and learn something from it. And, you know, and... and and stick with that if that's what you choose to do or yeah, not. Or not if it's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so that's me. Cool. And because of that, you know, people used to laugh because I would have manuals. For okay. I would have manuals for equipment that I didn't even own. They'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> what's that about? You know, but then, then I'd get a phone call from them saying, hey, I just bought a such and such and such. How do I? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, you were laughing when I was reading the book though, weren't you? Uh, now you got one, you're, you're, you're calling me. Uh, that'll be $5. <laughs> Five dollars fifty. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, it's it's um, you know, those those are the kind of journeys that got me involved in what I was doing. But I didn't because I was uh, messing around with these little technology things, along with playing the guitar. You know, I started playing the guitar partly because I was in, uh, I think I was in Detroit visiting uh, my brother, and he he bought me. A little guitar or something like that, and nice. of course, being in Detroit, everybody was doing something musically. You Is know? it okay? Well, because it was like Motown was there, you know. So everyone's trying to everyone's trying to get in that door. Everyone, everyone's trying to get the entry. Everyone's trying to get the entry and do something. So anyway, I had this little guitar, and because I had one, and the neighbor down the road had something, and somebody had something, we decided to to have a little band. 
And nice. They, and they had a um, they had a talent show. I think the the school was called Vandenberg or something, to my See? recollection. I loved it. See, I, I you know, obviously. I, you know, I've always said this, you know, people talk about reality TV sometimes and, and the whole talent show thing. Yeah. And I always used to say, you know, talent shows have been around forever. So many people who are in in majority of the huge, huge bands were either in a talent show in, in college, in a talent show in school, in a talent show in the local neighborhood, whatever it is, because you've got to showcase your talent somehow. You That's know? right. And then if you're good, you can you know that you're good or or you know that you're not and, and you progress to do whatever else you do. So I think just the fact that someone's just put a camera on it suddenly they say oh it's really tv but i just think it's a concept that's been around forever oh definitely and there's nothing yeah. wrong with it you know no, no, my, my, my brother won a talent show he there was, we go see he, he wanted uncle jake something or another and that guy that gave him him and his band the future tones i think gave them the chance to open up for uh billy holiday or something like that you know so there's nothing wrong with 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 any kind of way that you exploit the talent, talent that you have. Yeah. I think the tragedy is if you haven't given yourself the best chance to win before you do that. There we go. There we go. That is exactly it. You yeah. see, if you say all I ever wanted to do is 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 dance, but you've never don't. done any dance, yeah. <laughs> then don't 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 go and show talent That's because correct. it's probably not there yet. <laughs> That's correct. You know, but if you've if you've been dancing all your life and you just need a way to expose that, yeah, let people see this in its full glory. That's right. Then then why not? Yeah. yeah. So you 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 uh, won a talent. Well, we did. I, we didn't actually win. Okay, but we entered, we won fine, the yeah. we won the popular vote. What I mean by that is that you know we were on this show as kind of the green. Nobody knows us, not really professional. Yeah. And we went as Sly and the Family Stones, as I recall. We were doing nice. Sly and the Family Stones tunes. And um, there were some professional bands there, you know, what looked like to us to be professional bands there, who sounded amazing and so forth. But because we were very young and very green and, and very keen, and we were just giving it our, our all, the people were with us nice. you know and that was that that taught me a lesson you know it taught me the lesson that uh you can never perform at an audience you have to perform for them that's a good one you see i told you about angelo <laughs> i told you about the gems <laughs> you can never perform at an audience that's you right. have to perform you know, for them so no matter how much write that down you can you, you can thank me later people thank me later well because you you're all prepared you've done everything you've done your you know you got your best move you you know which side looks good and which yeah. side or whatever <laughs> and then the lights don't work on that night oh. <laughs> you know what i'm saying what do you do then yeah so you have to be you have to be in the moment you have to be prepared for whatever happens once you step out there of course you want to you want to do as much preparation as you can yeah to do your best, but you ha you have to leave space, yeah, for the what happens if, yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, I think that's when that's when talent comes in. That's stagecraft. That's talent. That's adaptability. You know, so everything goes wrong. What? So you, you, what? You're gonna do a little acapella while they sort it out? Are, are you? Are we gonna go to acoustic? Are we gonna? Are you gonna talk to the audience? How's you, how's your talking craft? That's like right. the whole. There's so much more to being on stage than just singing a song. That's right, and and the only way to learn it is by 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 going through the fire and actually doing it. That's absolutely right, you know. And you try to give yourself the best chance. It's those kinds of things that kind of prepare you. In, in fact, I remember after after doing that, you know, I then took those that guitar and a little bit of kind of 
experience that I had. And I went back to my hometown uh, from, from Detroit. I went back to my hometown of Cleveland and then my friend started to see, well, what's that? What's that you got? I was like a guitar and somebody else wants one. And so okay. another guy picks up a, a, a something else and somebody else plays a bass. And, and then eventually, um, now I'm, I'm doing what I was kind of doing in Detroit, but yeah. I'm doing that in my hometown with yeah. my friends. Yeah. Oh, there we go. See? And then once somebody sees you, I remember the first actual band that I was in. Uh, you know, proper band. Uh, I mentioned earlier that my sister would get a chance to come and see them. Well, yes. There were three uh, young men who were part of another band and they got to the age where their parents obviously thought, well, three of our children are involved in this other thing and making it work. Why don't we have our own thing? Okay. So one of the, one of the brothers played, uh, uh, guitar. One of them played keyboards and the other brother played drums. So they needed a bass player and, and a singer. Well, their uncle was only a, one year older than them. So he became our singer. All right. Yeah. They asked me if I wanted to play bass and you You're know, playing bass, huh? I, I started. Yeah. Playing. I, I, <laughs> you've played like every instrument, violins, well, trumpets, well, bass, you know, but you know what it was? It wasn't that I, necessarily set out to do any of it is that it's what was needed it was what was needed you figured it out yeah ne- needs must so they say do you play bass and i was like well how different can it be it's got two less strings than yeah. what i've been messing with <laughs> that's got to be easier right <laughs> oh, gosh. so so i started playing playing bass for them and we became our own unit the, the final results um, final results. That's, that's what one. we were nice. called, the final results band. Yeah, and uh, and then we added a trumpet player, uh, Reginald Pittman, who I think he went on to play with the Barcades or somebody. But anyway, uh, so that was that was our little band, you know. But one day we used to rehearse like on a Saturday morning in the basement, and we used to take a little break to watch Soul Train. Soul okay, Train, Soul Train. <laughs> we used to take a little break to watch Soul Train, and afterwards. Before we started playing again, we all picked up different instruments, and I picked up the guitar player's guitar, and he oh. and the drummer picked up my bass. So you just swap so around. We swap around and continue. And then we started playing, and all of a sudden, the parents popped downstairs, and they were like, "This sounds better than it sounded in a while. What's going on here?" <laughs> yeah. And they saw that we were all shifted around, so they asked me, if, you know. Would I consider playing Staying a guitar? in that position, yeah. And then the other guy who's got a bass. And he oh, that's the... why you came off the bass? Yeah. Nice. So I don't know whether that's because I was horrible at it or no. Ah. But I, no, no, but I just think it gelled. It just it felt like better, it, yeah. gelled, it gelled better. Yeah. And so um, that became the way the lineup was. But in the routine, we would have a little section where we would switch around on instruments. And I would actually, funnily enough, go over to, to drums. Oh, whoa. Play drums as well? Well, I could keep time, yeah. I could keep time. Angelo. But I remember my mom coming to see one of our gigs one time. She says, your head is moving fast as the sticks. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. So, okay, so so you were in the final results. Yes. What period was that? So then was that alongside, at that point, then you weren't weren't going around with your brother then because you were older than me. That's right. So in the period that, because you said that you were sitting in a barber shop and the Jackson Five were there. That's right. So yeah. that was obviously prior to you being in a band, right? That's that's right. Because what what used to happen is 
I would go visit in the summer times, as I said, in Detroit uh, in the summer break from school. And that's when I would see these people who happened to be. You go and visit your brother. I would go visit my brother. Okay, yeah. And so we're riding around eight mile road in Detroit where, where you know, or out of drive West or somewhere we're, we're riding around these particular areas in Detroit, the horn would blow beep, 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 beep. And then he'd pull over and these guys would hop out and they'd be chitting, chatting on the road. And I'd look over. I was like, oh, that looks like, what's that group called? The, you know, the Tim, Temptation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, or the Four Tiles. So it was like that, you know. Nice. And then I would go back to my uh, to my hometown in for school in September, and people would be like, well, what are you doing? I was, you know, doing da, da, da. What were you doing? Where were you? And then I'd, I'd say, oh, we, were, we went to the, see this show, this Motown review thing, and there was, who was there? Yeah. Stevie Wonder. And the, maybe like, <laughs> amazing. What? Yeah, but. You saw Stevie Wonder? Yeah, but see, I didn't realize how significant that all was. You you just thought these are my brother's friends. Yeah, like his peers. You're just hanging around and you just exactly, exactly. So you'd be so he like were you ever like in studios with them and uh, all that kind of only, stuff? Only only with with him when he was recording. Yeah, or when they were having like if they had something multi artist, you know. Okay, uh, yeah. I did. Funnily enough, I did more of that as a as an adult. Okay, All because right. we would fly back. Uh, we would sometimes fly into the states to do a multi-artist event. I remember one time we went into, uh, I think it was Pittsburgh or, uh, yeah, Pittsburgh or something like that. We we flew back in to do a show, and there was um, Aretha Aretha was on the show. Oh yeah, and, and Barbara Mason, and oh. uh, you know people like like that and whatnot. And and we walked into the rehearsal room, and because the artists from that era were less precious about, you know, other people seeing them, you know, being do in their something. space and do something. So it was almost like a communal rehearsal. You know, they only had uh, who, who's in the rehearsal. Oh, there was uh, Carl Car- Carl Carlton. I think it was. You know, she's yeah. a bad mama jammer. Yeah. let me love you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think there was. Um, Jimmy Ruffin, I think, was on that Whoa. show. I think, uh, but I, I know definitely Aretha was, and I, the reason why I know is because when we walked in, in the, in the room, she said, "Oh my goodness, is that Angelo?" And I was like, "Oh, wow. Aretha knows me." <laughs> you know, it, so where she where she see you from before? Well, when I was a kid, when Edwin was okay, dragging taking me around, you around. Okay, I didn't, unbeknown to me, I didn't remember that. Yeah, but like, when is she, that Angelo? yeah, when she said it, I was shocked. Uh, uh, Denise Williams, I think oh, I saw whoa. her on a different occasion. Where was I was in the dressing room with, with her, uh, and I think her son. And I was showing him a couple of little magic tricks on the cards. Oh, nice. You know, it's it's that kind of thing. It sounds a bit crazy yeah. when I think about it now, and what they've done. I mean. Those, even just those names that you just mentioned, you know, apart from the Jackson Five, apart from Stevie, and the, you know, they went on to sell. I mean, yeah, to be I'm, just these iconic figures. And you know what? But what what I found most amazing about it all, and and again, like I say, maybe it comes partly from my privileged position of being there, but I always found them to be such. Um, I don't want to devalue their value, but say ordinary people, you know, yeah. they were, they were human beings like you and I, uh, Stevie's got a wonderful sense of humor. I mean, yeah. he's just a funny guy, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, we, we, have toured with, uh, Levi's, the four tops, you know, the original four guys, yeah. Levi Stubbs and, you know, Duke and, 
um, Obi. It's 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 just amazing to me sometimes when it's I very ordinary. Well, just just how humble the people are, yeah. you know, because obviously there's a difference between being a celebrity in in the world's eye. It's two really different things, you know, yeah. really the, different. I do think that people um, usually people who are talented. They are just. I think it's because they're not trying to prove anything. They yeah. know what they can do. Yeah. They know. They know what the the ability is. Um. So they just they they're comfortable with that part. I think if you're uncomfortable with that part, sometimes you can inflate other parts to to make up for make up for that. You know, you just said that um the the rehearsal. You just said that the rehearsal. Yes. Was a communal, you know, a communal vibe. Do you think? Because I think what you said about people being precious is very, 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 very true. Now, you know, it's it does it. It's not a um, it's not this big social ground with everyone just hanging out and sharing their talent and their ability and just you know jumping on things. It may be because nowadays people know even more about the business side of things. Maybe I don't know. But do you think that it's that? And also, do you think that? If cameras were around the way they are now, and 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 life was as intrusive as it was now, that people would be more guarded then or not? Do you think that's just how they were? I don't know. No, I I I take on board what you're saying, and we we don't really know. I mean, yeah. the, the camera does things when you put it on. <laughs> the, ca- <laughs> the camera does things. Well, it, it does. When you turn it on, you know, all of a sudden, you've seen it in people's own perception of themselves yeah. they look different when they take a selfie of themselves than yeah. they do if you take a picture of them Very you know true. just walking down the street it, there there is that thing but i think also uh, that's how it was back in that era you know groups traveled with each other on buses to do tours okay. sometimes you know or I, i've heard stories about earth wind and fire you know they had a station wagon you know and they take turns driving you know it was a different experience yeah. being involved in uh everyone mucked in everybody mucked in and everyone understood you know we're all just on a journey and you know if you get a break that's good if you get a break i'm gonna try and sail on the back of that or somewhere and if i if i get one come through that's because right. we're all just mucking in you you know it's hard, it's easy to forget now that a lot of people didn't didn't set out to be stars. No, it, no, you know. I, I'm guessing that maybe apart from the love of doing it, it's just trying to make a living doing something that you love. Yeah, and trying to find a way out of whatever you know out situation of the, out of the situation you were in. You know, I mean, for a lot of people, uh, doing the music represented a way of elevating their their life you know not just economically but but socially you know to get respect from the world oh actually and i would imagine around well yeah not imagine i mean we know around that time also being on the road with the whole racial tensions that, that must have been an interesting time on the road as well well i'm sure it was you know fortunately for me i i don't think i experienced as much as perhaps would have been possible. But I do remember as a young kid being, you know, in Detroit during the race riots uh, in the the 60s. Uh, I do remember seeing photographs from from my brother um, because before apartheid, you know, before the the Sun City and before they shut down um, the artists performing in South African stuff, they were... Uh, he was one of the last artists to actually go uh, uh, be over there and Is able it? to, yeah, him and Betty Wright. Okay. And that's how I met Betty Wright. It was, 
because she had been on tour with my brother and right. and I saw photographs from from that time period and you know some of the some of the <laughs> you know situations we laughed about the situations that existed as a result of them being there you know they when they would want these artists to perform for only you know, only uh, one demographic, you know, okay. no blacks in the audience and that kind of thing. Do the set to black people, do the set to white people, and, but and, just and not, then, not together. Yeah. And then the audiences, I mean, the artists were rebelling against that, you know, and I was laughing. Uh, with Are they paying you twice? Well, no, I was laughing with Betty about that one time. And, you know, I said, well, you know, how do you deal with that? She said, well, you know, I told him I had a sore throat. And when they say, well, what what do we need to get you? She said, well, the only thing that's going to make this throat better is I think some some of my people in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good yeah. one. Oh, so I I can't sit. Oh, oh, my, my, oh, yeah, exactly. Clear the throat. Wow, that's good though. Sometimes you got you got to make a a, a a stand of sorts. Well, you know, it's it's and and you know we know we're in still difficult times. Yes, especially, but it's it's not always just just race that's at stake. You know, it's humanity. You know, we are a society, and as a society, you know, we make the rules. Yeah, we choose the path that we take, and I think when you get to the stage where, I think when you get to the stage where, um, where the common journey is more significant than the individual's path within that, yeah, then you've reached, you yeah. know, the, the the pinnacle of what society is supposed to be about. So we know there's been difficult times, but music has always been part of the solution. Yeah, yeah. And um, that's what, you know, makes it very topical about yeah. the times that we're in now, because if you remove if you remove music from the solution, yeah, you make the solution imminently more far away. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so that. yeah. But anyway, I've lost track of the question. Yeah, no, no. Um, so I was saying that I said about the camera thing. Thank you. Ah, that, yes, that's right. I know. I know. Yeah, yeah. We were. And I was saying that, you know, I, I think that it would make a difference just because of what the camera does to people's perception of how they're being seen by others. But the thing that it couldn't change, I don't think would be the dynamic of the experience that those people have had with one another. You know, if you've traveled on the road with somebody for many years and yeah. toured, you got history, you know, it'll be like, Oh, so-and-so and so is up to it yeah. again. Here, you we know? Go again. Here we go again, you know, <laughs> or, or, you know, those old films that you see, like the five heartbeats were like, uh, I don't, I don't know the James Brown story with, with little, you know, Chuck Berry or little Richard or whatever, you know, that's how it was because everybody was just trying to carve out a little space for the, for them, you know, yeah. make a name for themselves. And part of doing that was you had to be in the environment where that could be done. Exactly. In order to make it work. And if that meant you were on the chitlin circuit with all the other artists. Let's go. Let's do these chitlins. That's right. <laughs> in fact, I remember a story, you know, people, uh, again, my brother would say about things like, you know, performing at the Apollo or something where, you know, they had to do several shows a day. And if you were on as one of the early artists and you did something amazing, by the time the next round of performances came, the group that was on before you might use that because it worked <laughs> for the audience. So you had to figure out something yeah, else. Otherwise, to you're going to come on and look like you're copying the person who just did it. <laughs> there you oh. go. You know? But that keeps you on your toes as, a, as an artist and a yeah, performer, that, that right? That means you've got to go overboard. 
There you go. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, that's where you're always looking for the magic, you know, and, yeah. and, uh, and I think even, even now those artists would probably still be aware of that, you know, they can be friends and be very, you know, have a lot of camaraderie in an environment where they all, you know, are being competitive, are being competitive, you yeah. know, but once they get on the stage, you don't expect them to do anything other than their best. Yeah. 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 You and, and if you see something, you got to say, actually, I would have done that too. So, okay. Exactly. Okay. I'm going to come and get you. Don't worry. That's it. Yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah. know, that's good. Um, all right. So, uh, final results. Yes. Okay. And then from final results, how old were you then? It would have been around, let me see. In America, we generally graduate from high school at 17 and that's a three year, not grades nine, Sorry, grades uh, 10, 11, and 12, so 17. And the final results would have started uh, probably three to four years before that. Oh, so you're about 14. Yeah, about 14, 13, 14, yeah. Okay. So with, with the final results, we were actually too young, of course, to be in the clubs performing on our own. Okay. So that's why the parents would have to be there as chaperones. Right, right. Is that when your sister would or your mom? My sister would the come sister, yeah, and, sister. and see us. So during those years, so like I say, 14, 15, 16, those kinds of years, that's how old I was. And we were performing in places throughout the the city. Um, nice. All right. And then from, so you, that must have been a lot of fun. 15, 16, getting to do some shows, that must have been a lot of fun. But then moving, so then moving, what was the next step after that? Well, the next step after that comes, tr traditionally comes, when you graduate from high school. So there, there's a little bit of a story in between that. On the local scene, when we're performing at this, these gigs, there, there is a scene, you know, and every high school has their hot band. You hear Prince talk about it and Morris Day and the time. You, you hear them yeah. talk about that kind of thing in Minneapolis yeah. where you have these rival bands. Yeah. Well, we were no different. We had rival bands on the circuit. Uh, one of those groups actually went on to become quite internationally known. At the time when we were on the scene, we would beat them out of gigs sometimes, and sometimes okay. they would beat us out of gigs. The group happened to be called uh, Kinsman Daz, and they went on to become the Daz Band. Okay. Let it, the let it band, yeah. Yeah, let it nice. whip and so yeah. forth. So, and, and part of the reason behind that, or part of the story behind that is that when we got to be 17 and we graduated from high school, they kind of went on. They carried on and they signed a deal and went okay. and did so forth. But our guys, um, I went off to university. Um, right. The, the bass player went off to... The route your parents would have loved. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't just that. Part of the reason why I wound up going to university, and I know it's going to sound really, really crazy, yeah. is that you know, part of actually playing an instrument was using these effects and amplifiers and guitars and wires and all that stuff. Yeah. And the manager that we had, one of the most important things that he ever told us as a band was we thought we were going to get paid and then we were going to divide the money six ways or how many ever it was. To he said, well, what about the kitty? Like who is she? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know her. I don't know who, who's we Kitty. Broke, we broke up a long time ago, me and Kitty. <laughs> That's right. But he was like, "No, if you're going back to that club to perform next week, right? That club owner who's paid you good money to be there last week, he don't want to see you wiggling those wires, trying to make that, you know, that, <laughs> that broken, work. yeah, that broken wire or that fuse that blew or the, the drum." 
head that's broken where, you know, he expects you to invest back in your thing. So the next time you come, it's better and you're not doing the same exact thing. And that made sense to me. It did make sense. It made sense. And so that's what... It also meant there was less money in your pocket. It meant there was less (laughs) money in the pocket, but it gave you appreciation for the fact that there was more involved than just you. Oh, you know, yes. you couldn't take the just take the number and divide it and think, OK, that's me. Yeah. So it, what about, you know, the work that was put into organizing the gig? What about the, the work that was, you know, transportation there? What about yep. the, the things that needed to be repaired? You know, yeah, what many about hands the make light work. rehearsals and preparations and, you know, all of those things? So, you know, I, I got it and uh, that became useful. But what, what was significant about all of that was that uh we got to the stage where we were prominent enough in the local area and you start to spill over into the regions. You know, you start to do Griggs further field as you get older. And uh, my brother was coming through town with his band because I think he was on the verges of some success as things were moving towards the disco uh, era okay. just, be, just before he had uh, hit with eye to eye contact. Anyway, he was coming through our hometown and this would have been, mid seventies, I guess, or something like that. And so I contacted his manager and said, uh, yeah, my brother's coming to town. Can we open for him? Sweet. And she said, well, I don't think it's going to be a problem. I'll talk to him and whatnot. And he was like, yeah, cool. So <laughs> I wound up, I, the, my band wound up being the opening act for his band. Brilliant. Uh, in, in, uh, um, he must have liked that. I'm a little bro. Oh, he come was through, cool. Come through. And I actually, somewhere, I, my sister just a couple of months ago sent me a photo that was taken on that night. I thought oh. that was pretty cool. We were not, none of us on stage together. Is it? But it no, was no, definitely I that, you, night. Yeah, yeah, that night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I got, I'm going to, I'm going to poke you for that. <laughs> okay. Poke you for that. I'll, I'll get you, I'll get you that. <laughs> but that was, that was like kind of a transitionary point of, of, of pro to, I mean, for a semi-pro yeah. to semi-pro, if you will, because yeah. semi-pro, that term we use in America, is like people, they might do other things during the week, but on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, sometimes Sunday, yeah. they're out gigging. Yeah, sun, yeah. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they might be doing their other thing. You know, yeah, it's yeah. a semi-pro. Um, so you're, so so um, uh, the the Kinsman Das, did you say? Kinsman Das, so who became Kinsman the Das band. Yeah, they went on and then you went to uni. Yeah, so I went to uni, and we all kind of went our separate ways. Okay. And, and uh, you know. How long was uni? Uh, four years for me. Four in, years, uh, okay. Carnegie Mellon in, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Good, a good experience? It was a great experience because it everything continued. Like I was saying, because of buying those wires and those effects pedals and stuff. And manuals. And manuals. I was like, know. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, you know, this stuff, I opened it up to change the battery, and I'm like, there's nothing in here. Yeah. I just spent a hundred dollars. There's nothing in this thing. I, I know people like this. You open it up, there's nothing in there. It's just like life. <laughs> yeah. So it, it sparked my curiosity on yeah. on understanding a little bit more about what I was paying for. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm like, yeah. well, why am I paying a hundred dollars for this thing? And it's not much in there. Yeah. So that led me to go to, to school to study engineering and I got involved in, you know how it all works so the school was kind of like an outgrowth of my interest in in the technology sorry in the music and while i was there at school you know just like i had done from going from detroit to back to cleveland and finding other musicians who 
who got involved in playing music. I did the same thing in college. There were people who had interest in music and stuff and we became friends and managed to do some things. And, and it's funny because, um, uh, several months ago, uh, I, I got a, got, you know, poked on one of the social media things, uh, through somebody I knew from a guy I, I had gone to school with and he was a founder member of the roots. Oh, nice. It's a bass player named uh, Leonard Hubbard. Brilliant. Amazing bass player. And we went to college together. Um, But it's it's stuff like that. You know, you keep looking around. You see, you know, we were just having a dream at that point about what our future might be. And look look what happened. (laughs) It's always interesting to see what people have actually done. And there are a lot of people who've done some amazing things. uh, But most importantly, they, they, they have lived the dream. Yeah, they want it exactly. You know? Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, so you went through college, yeah, engineering, yeah. Did um, and then at the end of that, because so definitely through that period, you're still on the go. Angelo is exceptional no, playing the guitar, no, like no, it's silly. No. Yes, you are. Like it's exceptional, right? So during that time, you were playing the guitar as well. Right? Just what dabbling or actually. No, just dabbling. Just dabbling. Just dabbling. Because, you know, obviously, you know, any kind of a study path is is full on. It's full on, you know. But but you know, we had our we had our little, you know, on campus situation that we established. In fact we I think we had a conversation starter. Well yeah, we had another little talent show there and we got a group of guys together and we called ourselves the Church Street Gang. Okay. And and uh, we did a performance at one of the events on on campus, that kind of thing, you know. So people knew that you you kind of played a little bit, yeah, you know, yeah. of a certain kind of level. Nice. But I think one of the times when it became more obvious to people that I that I I did it a little bit more than dabbling yeah. is um, I I got a call from I got a call from my brother uh, while I was at in in university so this would have been 79 or something like that uh that kind of time frame and uh he was coming through pittsburgh pennsylvania to do a performance uh i says i know yeah i'm gonna come down it's on a saturday you know so i'm not gonna be in school then yeah he said cool he says uh you want to play the guitar and i was like (laughs) uh okay uh you know yeah well, what's up and he said no i had a problem with my guitar player and i need somebody to play the guitar i'll see you there on saturday yeah i'm like okay <laughs> i'm like was that how he was yeah, yeah, yeah. spontaneous oh, like that. yeah he was that was that was edwin but anyway um he, so he says yeah cool now unbeknown to him i had already talked to a lot of my friends and they said can we go down and see your brother you know all right on saturday i'm like yeah cool we all go down you know we make a off-campus thing of it because you, you know when you're in college you don't have a lot of money yeah you don't you don't really go off campus unless you have to you know yeah, 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 yeah. so they said so anyway basically they're saying can you get me in free i was like yeah, yeah cool. you, you get it. and i'm gonna be on stage yeah no 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 that's it that's the story that okay. they didn't they had no idea All right because you know the worst thing you know i mean at that point i'm like well you know, am I, am I going to be able to do this thing? I haven't rehearsed with them. I don't know. I have just said, yeah. Well, your brother said, yeah. You just kept quiet. And he said, okay, I guess I'm, I guess I'm playing guitar then. That's right. So anyway, he they come into town, obviously, on early early on the Saturday. 
I, I slide off campus, go down with them, do a little bit of rehearsal in the afternoon. Everything is cool. Right, now, good. this is before, obviously, the late 70s. This is before mobile phones and all that stuff. Yeah. So I eventually make it back to campus, and I get there, and everybody's screwing because they've been looking. Man, what's happening? We thought you were going to renege on us, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. We, everything's cool and whatnot. We still going down? Yeah, we're going down. So I said, we're going to have to go down a little bit earlier because, yeah. you know, we need to make sure we can get in. I can yeah, get you. Yeah. No problem, you know? So anyway, we all go down, to, we all go down to the event and we're just kind of milling around in the audience, you know, just catching the vibe, you know, listen to the music playing and stuff. And I get the high sign from, from the road manager, you know, oh, yeah. that, that it's, you know, time, time, for time. So yellow is you time to get your university kudos. <laughs> all right. Trying to change the time to change the pass of the, 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 the was it the passage of, of time. <laughs> For uni, right? Come on stage, you take know, this glory. But I, I slide, I slide away from the guys. I don't know, and maybe under the guise of going to the loo, or yeah. going to the toilet, something like that. Uh, and anyway, I get myself changed, and I'm standing kind of backstage, looking, peering through the, the curtain, <laughs> and I can see them looking around for me, like, well, "Where's he go? He's gonna miss it." You know. Then they announce the act coming on, and I come walking out with the guys, and I can see see the jaw <laughs> dry. <laughs> see the jaw drop wide eyes and wide mouths <laughs> they're like oh my days Angelo is on stage like a boss what's, what's going on but it, it was a good experience you know to be able to perform for them but yeah. I think part U university must have been interesting after that well I think part of the reason why I did it was, was less because I didn't want them to know yeah. and more because of the uncertainty of how I would be in do. that role you yeah. know you don't want to you, you make your mistakes when people aren't looking there we go that's how you learn, you know, and then when you think you're ready, then you go, you know, not the other way around. Yeah. So I was, I didn't have the luxury of that this time. And, and fortunately it went okay. Nice. And, uh, you know, that was that. That's brilliant. You know, you're the talk of the town for a minute, for the minute. Well, talk, sorry, talk of the campus for a minute. Yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. You yeah. Know? That's cool. So that was uni. Uni finishes. Yep. Uni finishes. Did you go and do uh, engineering? I you know, did. I know a lot of people who go to uni and I would say, 40% do something completely like they do not use in any way, shape or form what they just spent three, five, six years studying. So was that the case? Did you actually go and do engineering? Did you? It, it wasn't the case for me initially. Yeah. Initially I did engineering. I, I, I got uh, accepted for an amazing uh, program with RCA, which allowed. RCA? Yeah. RCA Victor. Yeah. Which allowed me to RCA in America well, throughout the world, they manufacture equipment, you know, stuff, you know, you don't see them much here, not yeah. under their own brand, but we manufactured televisions and radio. When I say, I see, I just think label. Well, funny, record label, that's yeah. it. I don't think funny you would else. say that most people do, but you know, people often forget that, that JVC stood for Japanese Victor Corporation. So it was an outgrowth of RCA Victor at one point in time that became okay. its own separate entity. But but in America, RCA was very big in, in uh, military space, equipment manufacture, uh, consumer electronics. In fact, the program that I, I was accepted on when I graduated, uh, an amazing program. It gave me the chance to work at four different locations for that company before I decided which location I wanted to stay at, providing okay. that the location also wanted me. 
Yeah, yeah, okay. And I worked in their uh, component design, like electronic equipment, and I worked at their research and development center in Princeton, New Jersey, where we were working on um, LaserDisc, which was the predecessor to what we now know as DVDs or CDs. Oh, wow. You know, I, I worked in their uh, consumer a consumer. So that was like, that was new technology. That was super new technology. Then it, we we we, we, it. we developed it. Yeah, during the time I was there, we it was a joint uh, thing with Philips. Wow. Where we were working on this laser disc, and it was a big so thing. RCA and Philips. Yeah, I think it was RCA. And so Philips. then uh, RCA was they already doing music then then yeah because yeah, yeah RCA is huge right so yeah it was just another they were just doing other things as well okay yeah they've always done other things I mean right. if you think about the his masters. His Majesty's voice, or whatever that picture of the dog with the yeah, yeah, with the that's RCA Victor. Okay, you know, so they've always been involved in that kind of thing. So, you know, I I got involved with them. I went through these various stages and worked at these different locations. One of the places was military base, you know, and then another one was uh, research and development, another one was consumer uh, custom design, and then I eventually wound up in. Indianapolis, Indiana, as my fourth placement, which is where I stayed, and that was involved in consumer electronics, so televisions, and okay. radios, and things like that. And I got involved in. in you, you enjoyed that? I did yeah. enjoy that, yeah. but as as is the case, and this is where you know, going back in our conversation to being prepared for what you don't know, trying to be prepared for what you don't know, a merger was imminent between oh. RCA and. Thompson's electronics and you, you don't need two sets of people doing the same job when you merge your company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I was so young. Redundancies and stuff started happening. Yeah. Okay. But I was young and flexible. So I took the yeah, you're like, all right, cool. I bounce. And I, I had had offers from other, other companies, including Westinghouse in, in America. And, and ironically, that's how I wound up, uh, come, leaving America to come to the UK for the, Per, you know, semi permanently because you left um, RCA Victor. That's right, and and because I was getting ready to start a new placement with a new company, my brother said, "He says, why don't you come over and have a break? Because you know, in America, we don't get as much holiday as they do in some places in the world." He said, "When you start a new job, you're only going to get a year. I mean, a week uh, holiday time. Yeah, you know, when you start this new job, you won't be able to come." Why don't you come over and have a little break here? I was like, nah, nah. So your brother was permanently here then? At that stage, he had relocated here because uh, that would have been the mid-80s. And his last U.S. success would have been Happy Radio, which would have been the transition between like 79, 80, 81, that kind of time period. And my mom died. And when wow. my mom died, he had th- he had always thought he wanted to go and spend more time in Europe. But when your parents are with you, it keeps you, you know. Yeah, rooted to wherever they are yeah, or not you, too far from it. Yeah, It keeps you more rooted. But he thought if he was ever going to do it, it would be then. Okay. So he decided to make that transition. Because which ended he, up being a good move. Which so. be, ended up being a good move. For yeah, him, yeah. yeah. So, so you that, joined him. I, I came to visit him. Okay. My my intention was to come and visit him, and here we are today. And here we are today. You know, <laughs> I've heard that story from a lot of people who wound up in in London in yeah. particular. But but I think it was because, you know, when you're when you're younger, if you have your eyes open, you keep your your eyes open for opportunities. You know, and you can be happy anywhere in the world as long as you're doing what you enjoy doing, 
and you're able to make a living at it. Yeah. <laughs> you got to feed yourself. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And I, I, what they call, landed on my feet when I came, you know. So when you came here, because you said Westinghouse, did you go back and work for Westinghouse? No, I didn't no. actually, because there, there's a little bit more to the story. And the okay. more to the story is when I was working for RCA, also, you know, you be, would be playing around with other musical artists in town, you know, just rioting or just getting together to jam, jam open yeah. mic nights, that kind of thing. I think Babyface was down there that, that kind of time with a group called The Deal he was with. Yeah. But anyway, um, when I came over to visit Edwin, before I actually came back, ultimately, he was writing an LP or something, and he says, man, I could really use you. You know, over here, why don't you come and stay over here? I was like, no, 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 I have, you know, I got to go back to work. I've got stuff going on. So he had made the offer to me prior, but I went back and went back to work. Okay. So that the next time when I eventually came and I was telling him about the merge and stuff and that I was going to start again, he made the offer again. And when he made the offer again, I thought, okay, I'll go over there three months or something. I'll take a little break. Yeah. Because I had spoken to the the company, they had said, "Yeah, we'll keep the offer open for you should you decide to, you know, yeah. take it." Because yeah. um, I had been kind of headhunted, so that was okay. And I was also after work when we were hang out doing some like modeling. Okay, okay, yeah. There was, I think, a company called Lake Frances or something like that. We would yeah. do, and we would go into malls. We would model the clothes for the shops within the malls for the people who were in the malls. Okay. Yeah. So they could see their actual clothes being worn by, you know, by real people. People, Uh, And then that would help the shops actually increase their footfall and so forth. Uh, And we would sometimes do that in clubs and stuff as well. But this company was also a part of um, John Casablanca's. Ultimately. And so when I came to UK and I spoke to them that I was coming over to London, they said, oh, if you're going there, give so-and-so-and-so a call in London. Maybe you can hook up and do something over there. So when I came over, it was my intention to be here for a few months, uh, do some writing with my brother, maybe contact these people from the modeling agency, you know, do a little something like that. And as I say, I landed on my feet because... Uh, the writing was going, going well. Um, I think my brother was signed to Peter Stringfellow's label. Um, oh, Hippodrome records. Yeah. Okay. At the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I got a chance to meet people like Dusty Springfield, yeah. who was also signed to it. And, and anyway, um, and just one thing leads to another, you know, I met some other people from, from, uh, from America who were here kind of establishing roots, uh, you know, a guy named Billy Osborne. Who, yeah, Billy. Yeah, Billy, yeah. Jeffrey Osborne's nephew. Um, and, you know, we, we got involved in some projects and wound up doing something for a group called Innocence that was signed to Chrysalis Records, I believe it was. Okay. And uh, you know, had a hip-hop label called Cold Sweat Records, and this was now into the early 90s. And, and, you know, just one thing leads to another. And every time you do one thing, people see you in a different guise and say, oh, I didn't know. You could do that. You do that. Yeah. So. Would you try this? Would you, can you get involved? Can you get involved with me doing this? And, and one thing leads to another. And then eventually you're here, <laughs> you know. So, of course, I went through all the procedures of, of um, 
you know, logistically locating myself here, the clearances and the Was that a bit of a change for you? Because obviously America for a very long time period of your life, although you're traveling all the time in America, but I I find Europe's quite a different overall vibe to to America. It is definitely. And I mean, it was a change for me too, because um, I hadn't traveled before coming to London. I hadn't traveled outside of the U.S. for any extensive amount of time. You know, I had traveled, of course, to Canada when I was an engineer. I would go up as a, as a, you know, do some field service work up in in Montreal and Quebec, and you know, travel to Cancun and Mex, you know, Mexico and, and different places. So I had, tra- I was traveled, but not Europe, Europe traveled. Yeah. So when I came to the, to the U.K., it was uh, kind of amazing to me the proximity of places that I I had only ever heard about, you know, before Paris, you know, Rome, you know, uh, wherever, you know, Switzerland. Yeah. It was so close. Um, and, uh, I was, you know, probably naive enough or, 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 or young enough. I didn't see the, the, the impossibility of anything happening. So I was like, okay, yeah, this is possible. Everything is possible. Let's 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 make the dream work here. Let's make the dream work. And And you did. And I, you know, thankfully, you know, here I stand, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but it was been, it's been enjoyable because I didn't have any expectations other than just, you know, taking, taking it as it comes, you yeah. know, one day at a time. And each thing has successively led to something else. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, nice. you know, that's, 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 that's the best dream I could have yeah. ever had. Yeah. The best dream I never had. If you, if you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I it was, was that each thing would prepare you for the next step yeah, in yeah. the journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In right. fact, that's how, that's kind of how we wound up working with, uh, Alexander O'Neill. As you know, I, I played guitar yeah. for him for 14, 14 years, 14 years, yeah, 14 years or something. I think it was. <clears throat> And it was partly because of the the association that had come from uh, from the Billy we spoke of before. Yeah, I think he was on tour with Steve Arrington, yeah, playing yeah. drums, and they were on tour with Alex, and okay. they they developed a friendship in America during that time. Uh, and so when when Alex came to the UK. In the mid '80s, I think some of the big shows he did at Wembley Arena, so forth. You know, uh, Billy said to him, "Hey, I could get you. I can get you a, a band over here." You know, because right. he's he's always had a big market in the UK, Alex, Alexander. Um, and you know, Alex obviously would have been dismissive of that because at the moment he had the cats that he needed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But sometimes, as an artist, I'm sure you know, when you travel, you know, abroad or whatever, it becomes cost prohibitive. To yes. take everything that you would like all the time. No, yeah, that it's, gets that gets uh, very expensive. Yeah, yeah, so sometimes you have to find a different solution for yeah. whatever. So anyway, that 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 offer turned into an opportunity. Nice, uh, which we took a, a yeah. chance that he took, and it wound up working. You Brilliant. Know, people loved it, and like I say, I was there for fourteen years. You know, I said, "Wow, yeah. nice." The list of iconic artists you've been around as a young person and obviously and within your family uh you've been around you've you've uh, witnessed you share the stage with you've performed under your own name for years yeah. as well so your lessons are are many <laughs> is there is there any kind of repeated uh kind of like pattern good or bad that you have seen over the years that you think 
any new and up and coming person or established person can use to avoid or actually do. Um, do you think there's anything that you've seen over the years where you think, ah, do you know, if someone does this, it usually pays off. Or if someone gets into this position, they should avoid doing this. Is there any kind of, uh, there might not be, but just. Uh, no, I, I definitely think there there is. Um, I don't know if it's one thing or, or a kind of a conglomeration yeah, yeah, of several yeah. things, but one of the things is consistency. Uh, you know, if people meet you today and they develop an opinion of you today and they meet you tomorrow and you're a totally different person tomorrow, which one is, is really you? Okay, yeah. You know, so you have to try to uh, present yourself in a way that you can be consistent with that person who you who you really are. The best, the easiest person to be is is yourself. Yeah, <laughs> you know, true. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. you if you start trying to be the way somebody expects you to be or pretend to be on this day or whatever, it will soon you will get caught out. Yeah, catch so up. the best thing is to try to be yourself. But but the other part of that, and this is why I say it, it's a, a kind of a consolidation of things. The other part of that is you have to know who you are. Yeah, because if you don't know who you are, you can find yourself in situations that make you someone or else who, who, yeah, who you're not, yeah, or who you think one. you're not. Know who you are. That's a good one. You know, and you know that's sometimes that's a hard thing to do. It certainly is. Yeah, because you know I think a lot of people start off. Well, everyone does. Not even a lot of people. Every single person starts off emulating. Yeah, emulating something or someone, and and if you don't give yourself the opportunity to graft and turn into a version of whatever it is you're emulating and then eventually yourself um and you you know you try and jump on too early then you're just emulating someone and if you get known for that then you you know you're just yeah it doesn't you're not being you well so. uh, that's it i mean it's 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 hard because it's all and it's also hard to see uh for me at some point in time now some people might you know, as you know, I, I, I carry on my brother's legacy and I perform his songs. And stuff, yeah, yeah. But I don't try to be him. No. You know, and I think that's where I would draw the distinction. And I think that's what concerns me a little bit about some of our most talented uh, artists right now. You know, it's, it's very the hardest thing it is at the moment to sell is you yourself. Yeah. You know, if you do a concert and you're going to be Stevie Wonder tonight and people know they love Stevie songs, so, so going, the place yeah. is going to be full. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, if you go and you say, I'm John John Doe. Yeah, and you hear crickets. You hear crickets, <laughs> right? <laughs> Tumbleweed. But if you never do that, where do we get the next there we go. Stevie Wonder? Where do we get the next James Brown? Yeah. Where do we get the next David Bowie? Yeah. Or the next Luther Vandross? Sure. Or the next, you know, Tina Turner? Who, you know, where do we get the next anyone? If 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 no one has the courage to be themselves, yeah. Or and also, when someone does have the courage to be themselves, if they're allowed to be themselves as well. Well, no one can. You know. No one can keep. You know, you you don't. It's not that you're. Sorry, allowed. no. So yeah, that's that's, that's you're, you're right. Not allowed. I mean, allow the time to become themselves. That's you know? correct. So, that's correct. You know, if you're if if John Reed is in the place with the crickets, yeah. but if he stays there long enough, one person might come in. You know, that's and right. then if he stays longer, it might be five people, and they might tell each tell a friend, and, that, and that's ten. And that time to be to get to the person who is then performing to thousands of people 
is great. But John Reed with the crickets could never perform to ten thousand people because he's not good enough at that time. That's what they that's he, what they he gets that good by performing to one, five, ten, fifteen, twenty and, and, and builds up. And I'm not sure many artists afford themselves that time now or are allowed to get to that point I, I see what you, you know, mean before yeah. the budget breaks I see what <laughs> you, you know, mean so. but but you know that's yeah. why it can't be about that's why it can't be about just the budgets and so forth you know you have to you have do to do it because you love it you have to do it because you love it yeah. because and I know that's easier said than done sometimes I mean you have to be able to you know justify it economically you go out yeah. the house and say to your family when you come back I had a great time but there's no money you know they, they won't be too happy with you <laughs> yeah. um, bailiffs are coming tomorrow but it was a great gig <laughs> wow <laughs> they cheered <laughs> yeah but you know equally uh, if you really look back at history you know everybody talks about overnight successes and it it sometimes it takes people a lifetime to become an overnight success yeah most most places nine out nine out of ten times it, it it's uh it it takes a lifetime to to become uh to become deservedly successful yes yeah yeah and that's and that's the thing you know even the icons that we have if you look back through most of their history you will find that it took them several albums or several situations or whatever to actually reach the pinnacle that we now think they enjoyed the whole of their career yeah i don't know about stevie though there's not too many i'm trying i'm trying to think you know if you if you went back right in stevie's catalog before we knew like way 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 back i wonder if you hear any like really dud ones i think i think <laughs> i think you would be surprised it's not that it's no, not there must be a couple in there there must well, be it's not whether the songs were good or not yeah. it's whether it was his time or not yes exactly you know yeah. I, I some of his earlier works obviously when they were still trying to um they were still, still trying, trying to, find to well they were still trying to determine how to market this young amazing talented rough individual diamond, yeah. rough diamond you know and uh you know, I mean, Aretha's early stuff when they she wanted her to do jazz. You know, Nina Simone, she wanted to do this. You know, I mean, everyone has their their story. Yeah. You know, um, and sometimes it just takes a while. Sometimes it takes a while for the world to catch up with where you are. That's well. true. That's true. Sometimes you're ahead of your time. <laughs> sometimes you're ahead of your time. Yeah. And sometimes you're just out of step with your time. You know, the music you're doing would have been more successful if if you were allowed to perform it for this generation or whatever yeah. it takes a while yeah 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 but the but the consolation i think is that whenever it happens you can genuinely do what it says on the label yeah because you've you, you know you've given yourself time you you've honed your craft to the point where you can actually do what it says so yeah. when you get to the place where there's one person or one million people yeah. you will go out there and be able to do what it yeah. is yeah. you say that you can do because you know yourself because you know yourself know yourself people know yourself i like that all right do you know what we've, we've been talking for this uh, this is gonna we're gonna have to do like like about three four more of these because this is just like <laughs> we, you, you've got you've got too much too I, much info i would love, I would love um, to you know if there's anything that i can can ever uh do to to hopefully help you know improve yeah. the journey of someone yeah. behind me i you know i say to people jokingly i have a i'm carrying a baton of a particular generation at the moment and i'm quite happy to yeah. you know hand that to the next generation yeah as long as they appreciate it uh, yeah, as long as, as they're long willing as they're, to hold on to it and, and on learn, to learn from from what you're giving them and then you know maybe be able to do the same thing yeah to someone else when it's when it's their time when they're when they're ready to hand yeah. it over so good stuff brilliant 
Well, Angelo, thank you so much, as always, uh, for, for, for sharing that knowledge and for sharing your journey. It's a brilliant one. I hope someone's learned something from this. And uh, yeah, we'll do it again sometime. Thank you very much, Lamar. You cool. have a great day, man. That was cool. Always nice chatting to Angela. Hope you enjoyed that. I like the little nine to five nugget from the beginning of the show, which is kind of to do with mindset. Your job is to make your boss always look good. You can put that in your back pocket. I think it'll get you far. Uh, you can thank me later. Actually, you can thank Angelo later. All right. Once again, thanks for tuning in to another show. Do rate, comment, subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, more next week. Catch you then. Peace.